Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. All right, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Glad I'm here. Uh, Easter is a great uh, time to come to church and celebrate uh, the resurrection. And I'm just glad to be part of a church. There's so much going on. Last night, was the Worship Arts Horizon event. Worship Arts were, is a, a ministry, it's, it's separate from New Day, but it's uh, led by Tori and Peter Webb, and uh, they used our facility last night. It was a big event, the, the place was full. The, uh, the place was completely packed with uh, uh, people coming to hear the different groups of uh, Worship Arts minister, and, and that's why these extra light rigs were here. Uh, this morning. Um, so that was fun. And also last night was Divine uh, Service, celebrating um, uh, Easter on uh, their Saturday night service. This morning, of course, uh, there was the sunrise service. Uh, the sun did rise, but I guess it was behind clouds and a little bit of rain. Was it? Did it? You could see the sun? Oh, so th- but it was raining though, right? But you could still see the sunrise. Boom. There you go. <laughs> and in Vandalia, they had uh, uh, Easter service and included brunch. And so they're probably finishing up right now. And uh, the two services here. So there's just so much going on uh, at New Day. And it's great to be part of a church that's vibrant and, and active. And we're uh, young and old, worshiping and serving God together. And we're glad that you're here this morning. Easter is a celebration of the resurrection. And uh, it really fits in to our series this month, or this, uh, this part of the year, the Inward Journey and the whole year on spiritual growth. And uh, the Inward Journey is really about sanctification, about the work of God going deep within us and bringing transformation. And yes, you got a great picture. Wow, that was great. Man, that's a good one. <laughs> um, uh, the work of God changing us. And this morning, we're really going to be talking about the, the promise of Easter. What, what is the promise? What is, uh, what does, what is the rec- how does the resurrection uh, tie into our spiritual growth and our transformation? And uh, I'm going to look at a number of verses that talk about the resurrection and how it has the power to change us, both inwardly and outwardly. <clears throat> you know, it says in Romans concerning um, uh, the resurrection of Christ, uh, that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. How many have the Holy Spirit within you? All right. All right. If you don't, you can come up and get prayer afterwards, and we'll pray, and God will baptize you and fill you with the Holy Spirit. God wants the Holy Spirit uh, to fill every one of us. Um, so the Spirit of God, the very same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in us. It says, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. So there's a, there's a connection here, and I'm hoping to draw a connection through the various verses we, we look at today between Jesus' resurrection and our personal transformation. And this verse is not talking about the future resurrection of giving life to our mortal bodies when Jesus returns and we get a new body. All right? The context of this verse is about the here and now. That, that just as the Spirit of, of Christ is living in you now, and that Spirit 
brought life to Jesus' dead body, His Spirit can bring life to your body right now. All right? Amen? Right now, right here. And then, of course, we are as well looking forward to our future hope of a new body. But in order to uh, um, understand the resurrection story, and maybe you're here and have never heard it read or never read this portion, or just as a reminder for those of us who are familiar with it, I actually want to read through the account of the resurrection as uh, uh, recorded in the book of Matthew. Now, this happens after Jesus' life and after his teachings, after all of his miracles, after he was arrested, after he was crucified and died, and then they buried him. And actually his disciples were hiding, thinking this was it, it was, it was all done, now what are we going to do? Uh, the Jewish rulers said, we finally got rid of that, that crazy man, uh, let's move on. But uh, it was not the end of the story. So this is <clears throat> chapter 28, you can read along, we're not going to put the verses up there on the screen. In, in the New King James, uh, I'm going to read the whole chapter. It says, now after the Sabbath, um, so Jesus rested in the grave on the Sabbath, fulfilling the Old Testament law, and he is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Everything spoken of the Sabbath is speaking of Jesus. He rested on the Sabbath. He laid in the grave. And as the first day of the week began to dawn, and this is why we celebrate weekly on Sunday, is a celebration of the resurrection, because it was on the first day of the week which is Sunday. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Kind of like that. Sat down. I can't wait to meet this angel. I want, I want to talk to this guy. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him, and became like dead men. And the angel answered and said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I told you so. <laughs> I think this angel had a bit of an attitude. I don't know. <laughs> I told you so. So they went out quickly uh, from the tomb with fear and great joy. What a combination. Fear and great joy. And ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, Rejoice! We don't know how he said it. It might have been, rejoice. <laughs> rejoice! Yeah. Hey, surprise! Um, so they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Again, don't be afraid. Go tell my brethren uh, to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. And when they had assembled the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money 
to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. And you may say, well, why is that in the story? It's an important part, actually. Because, uh, you know, during that day, and when this was written, and for the early years of the church, they couldn't deny that the tomb was empty. Uh, anybody could walk there and look for themselves. And so they had to come up with an They, being the Jewish authorities and the Roman authorities, had to come up with some, some way to explain it, and they came up with this. And, and I love that the Bible's not a, a, afraid to actually say, well, this is what they're saying, but that's not true. Uh, in reality, Jesus rose from the dead. We know what really happened. And then the 11, it actually jumps ahead in this account to, to the ascension. There's, there's more that happens in between, and you can read that in the other gospel accounts. But it jumps ahead. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And so that is the account of the resurrection. That is what we are celebrating this morning, but that is what we uh, celebrate uh, uh, every Sunday and, uh, and really every day is the, the fact that Christ conquered death. All right? and, and one thing I want to point out is a number of things I just want to bring to your attention is that Jesus' life, his suffering and death, uh, and his physical resurrection, and the fact that the, the, the reality that Jesus actually came out of the tomb is this absolutely core to our faith. All right? The historical facts are very important. <clears throat> Christianity is rooted in historical facts and, and uh, throughout the Bible, and most importantly, in the fact of Christ's actual life and death and resurrection. And, uh, and believe it or not, this, some people uh, argue this point, that it's just the things that he taught, uh, or the fact, uh, the principles, or the ideas. But uh, that isn't good enough. It's the actual death and resurrection. There's, there's, there's something significant, it's very significant, that this really happened. And I hope to uh, help explain that. Paul explains it this way in 1 Corinthians. He said, if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless. Everything in the Bible, he's saying, everything is useless. It really doesn't matter. He says, uh, your faith is useless if Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead. He says, we apostles are all lying about God, for we have said Christ, uh, God raised Christ from the grave. Uh, and so the Bible itself, Paul itself, God himself in his words says, listen, if this fact isn't true, then it's all meaningless. He goes on to say, he says, if Christ has not been raised up, then your faith is useless and you are still in your sins. In that case, of all uh, who have uh, in, uh, in that case, all who have died believing in Christ, they're lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone on earth. All right? 
Yeah, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> because it gives, me, it gives me hope, actually. You know, so a lot of people believe that uh, Christianity is about principles and truths, that if you apply them, your life will be blessed and happy and everything will be good. And there is truth to that. But if, if, if everything we're hoping for in Christ, if we think it's for this life, the Bible actually says, listen, we are to be most pitied. Yeah. Right? Uh, because that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible actually promises persecution. And the early church was experiencing the church. I have a friend in prison in Turkey right now simply because he's a Christian. More Christians are persecuted now than at any time in history. And so the faith actually, yes, the principles of God's word and living a Christian life does position you to walk in favor, walk in blessing. We preach that, we teach that, but it also comes at a cost. And so if you think, oh, if it's just the ideas, if we implement them right, I'll be happy. That's not what the Bible teaches. But it teaches more than that, all right? Because in fact, in fact, it's a fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. So he's saying the resurrection changes everything. If it's not true, this is useless. And if we're putting our hope just in principles, it's useless. But the fact is, Jesus rose from the dead. He's the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Do you realize every one of us here, you're going to die? Right? And sometimes we like to ignore that fact. Uh, yesterday we were at the funeral and we were uh, grieving with our dear uh, church family, uh, the Dukes, who lost, Leonard lost his mom, uh, who died um, at a good old age, 87, but it's still grieving. It's the loss of a loved one. <clears throat> and as a pastor, you have to deal with death, uh, people who have a death in the family or are facing death and funerals. And uh, one of the things that actually surprises me the most is how taken by surprise some people are when they encounter death. Because we've set out life to kind of ignore it. You know? And we try to not think about that. But uh, Easter, I think, is a good time to think about death. You know? People die. In fact, everyone dies. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Billion people, seven, almost seven billion people on the earth. Hundred, oldest person in the world died. She was 117. Just uh, yesterday, the day before. You know, so in 118 years, pretty guaranteed. Maybe if they get some health improvements, they might make stretch that out to 120. Everybody on the planet that's alive is going to be dead. Why am I pushing this? Well, listen, all of us have an encounter coming, and it's an encounter with death. And if you live your life ignoring it, thinking that somehow you're going to get around it, it'll take you by surprise. Right? But the message of the gospel is, listen, death has been dealt with. Yeah. All right? And there's a, there's, a, there's a way to face death that you can face it with confidence Amen. and you can face it with hope. It doesn't mean that we don't grieve when we lose a loved one. It doesn't mean that we don't continue to fight death because the Bible also says that death is the last enemy. But we look at death differently because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right? So, so you see, just as 
Death came into the world through a man. Now resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. It's tying it in. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. And so there's a, there's a connection between the reality of death that comes through become, being a human, descendant of Adam and Eve because of sin and, and all that came as a result of that, and Jesus coming in and facing death and conquering it. A man taking uh, up the challenge and conquering what the first Adam uh, failed to conquer, the second Adam, Christ, uh, conquers it. <clears throat> All right, let's move on. The historical fact of the resurrection gives the message of the gospel more power than just ideas or philosophies or even moral ideals. Those things are good, but they don't have power if they're not rooted in, in a historical fact. All right, And the reality of the resurrection means that everything else in the reality of, of existence has to, has to deal with this fact that Jesus rose from the dead. It changes, it's a game changer for the whole of the universe, both philosophically, but also even in the natural. How can someone rise from the dead? All right, how can this be? The early church preached the resurrection so much that in the Acts, some of the people who heard them preaching thought that the name of their God was resurrection. Seriously, all right? And so and we preach it too little in our day. But it was the primary message of the early church is that there is hope for life after death. There is a resurrection, and we know it because of what Jesus did. On the cross, God drove a stake into the ground of humanity and eternally anchored to himself the destiny of the human race. That, that cross was a stake driven into the ground, and he anchored himself. He anchored the human his destiny to himself. And from that anchor of Christ's death uh, arises a lifeline that extends to heaven for anyone and everyone who wills to follow him. All right? So it anchors it into humanity because it really happened. Jesus faced death and overcame it. So how does this connect with us as individuals? All right, Paul kind of unpacks this. And we're going to take the rest of the sermon to look through Romans 6, verse 3 through 9. Because it talks about the resurrection and how it affects our personal lives. I'm just going to kind of explain this, this passage. Uh, it says, Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we, were joined, uh, we joined Him in His death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. <clears throat> And so uh, what's being explained here is that the practice of baptism when done um, in faith uh, of Jesus Christ, as a person who's confessed faith with Christ and is baptized uh, in water, he's referring to baptism by water, uh, that in that act there is a joining of yourself to Christ's death and burial. And um, the, it creates a spiritual but very real connection between Jesus' death and burial and your, your body, your life, your spirit, your soul. Now, just because it's spiritual doesn't mean it's less real. In fact, because it's spiritual, it means it's more real. 
all right, concerning the things of God and the Spirit of God, it is more real. It has the power to change our physical existence because it is operating on a level of spiritual authority. Uh, so we were joined with him. It says, we died and were buried. This is past tense. You died. So now, the words, you're going to die, you know, doesn't affect you as much. If it's like, well, I've already died. I'm dead. I'm already dead. I remember a, a evangelist who was on the street in a gang area. Some guy came up to him and said, I'm going to kill you. And he said, I'm already dead. <laughs> <laughs> and it took the gang member so off, you know, he was like, he didn't know how to respond to it. He was like, well, what do you mean you're already dead? And he ended up preaching to him. And I think he got saved. I don't remember the details of the story, but... I've never forgot that. It's like, if ever happens to me, I hope I remember. You can't! I'm already dead! <laughs> In fact, I've been dead and buried. Really? <laughs> wow. It's true. It's true. See, I believe it's true. You know? In the same way that we believe that Jesus' death on the cross paid for our sin, I died when he died. In fact, that's how it works. This is an explanation of why I'm free from sin. It's because I died when he died. Something happens in our spirit, our souls, and I think that as that works out in our spirit and soul, it actually has the power to change our bodies because we've, been, we've experienced death vicariously. In other words, Jesus died for us, but we really experience it. We lay hold of it. Uh, it is our death he, that uh, we share in his death, and so that brings about transformation. Is there benefit to death? Uh, yes, there is. It's freedom from sin. Dead men don't sin. All right? They don't wear plaid. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't even know where that quote's from. I just know it's a quote. <laughs> Dead men don't sin, right? Dead men don't tell tales, right? There's a lot of sayings like that, all right? Uh, <laughs> in other words, death ends the power of sin in a person's life. And when we're joined with Christ in his death, we gain in that freedom. That's what it continues to say. Verse 4 says, And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in death, we will also be raised to life as he was. So Christ was raised from the dead. This, the fact of the resurrection we read about that was declared it, that means that we can now, notice what it says, now, not, not in the future when we have a new body, not in heaven, not, yes, in heaven, but not, we don't have to wait till heaven to experience the power of the resurrection. It actually says what? Now. Say it loud. Now. 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 And you know what? Maybe you blew it really bad yesterday. Okay, but now... You can live a new life. Now you can live a new life. Now you can live a new life. And you have to. You have to continue to come back to that and say, why? Because I'm good enough? Because I figured it out? No. Because Jesus died. And that doesn't change. Nothing I do can change the fact that Jesus died. Nothing I do can change the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. That tomb is empty. And that means that now I can live a new life. I can be set free. 
Amen? <clears throat> the power of the resurrection is for now. United with him in... in uh, I'm going to read a quote. So, so this, this phrase, united with him in death, can be translated planted uh, like that stake in the ground or like a seed. Remember Jesus said, unless a seed falls in the ground and dies, it cannot bear fruit. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He was speaking of his resurrection. And he's also speaking of our death uh, being united with his death enables us to bear fruit. This is an author that I like uh, talking about this verse. He lived about 150 years ago. It says, um, <clears throat> the death of Jesus Christ is represented as the cause which brings his fruitfulness, as the author of eternal salvation to mankind is derived. And genuine believers in him are represented as being planted in the earth and growing out of it. So death is, is being uh, a new symbol, it's being, like being planted like a seed, out of which uh, a new life can grow. And, and this author is saying that's, that's really the meaning of the, the original language. <clears throat> uh, whether or not that's true, this image is certainly true and, and certainly consistent with, with what resurrection means and what Christ accomplished. Deriving their growth, vigor, firmness, beauty, and fruitfulness from it, from it, from what? From that death, from being planted. Uh, this is how something great, something amazing can come out of something bad. Death is bad, but it gives us new life. In a word, it is by his death that Jesus Christ redeems a lost world, and it is from that vicarious death that believers derive the pardon and holiness which makes them happy, fulfilled, uh, holy uh, inside, having our uh, stuff right in themselves and useful that's the outward journey that we can make a difference in the world uh, because of what's been accomplished <clears throat> christ's sacrificial death is the soil in which they are planted and from which they derive their life fruitfulness and final glory i thought that was a good good sentence a good line a good way to to understand how this jesus's resurrection is meant to transform our life verse six it says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Jesus said it this way when he was talking to people. He said, I tell you the truth. Uh, you know, Jesus is truth. Jesus always told the truth. When, when the truth says, hey, listen, I'm really telling you the truth here. I think it means, hey, listen to this, guys. This is important, right? Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Sin in any form brings bondage. Let me just explain sin in case you don't understand or if you're new here, you're familiar with it. A lot of people have preconceived uh, uh, conceptions of what sin is. And yes, it's a violation of, of what the Bible tells us not to do or not doing what the Bible tells us to do. But it's a, there's, a bigger, there's a better understanding, a more important understanding than just a, a right and wrong list. It's a sin is anything that is in violation or anything that contradicts, that doesn't fit with the character, the personality the, the, of, of God. And because we were created to be sons and daughters of God, to reflect his character, if we act, think, or be, uh, behave in any way that's contrary to his goodness, his kindness, his mercy, his, his joy, his peace, all of that, then it's contrary to our nature. All right? So when we act contrary to our nature, it's destructive. It hurts us and it hurts others. All right? <clears throat> and it brings bondage. 
And what's interesting is when Jesus talked about if, you're a, if you sin, you're a slave to sin, there were probably slaves in the audience listening to him. And there were most likely slave owners because it was a common practice in his day. And so we think, well, you're a slave to sin. He's talking about some idea that you're trapped to some behavior. But they would think of it as, oh, someone's, someone else is running my life. In fact, owns my life, is in control of my life. And, and there's other places in the Bible, in Genesis, God's talking to uh, Cain after his sacrifice was refused and Cain's upset and the father tracks him down and says, hey, Cain, you need to respond. If you respond right, you'll be accepted. God was saying, I want to accept you. You just need to respond right. He said, but sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. And so both there and in other places, sin is, is actually personified. Now, <clears throat> I believe that there's sin within. There is, there's, there's acts of sin. If I, if, I, if I stole something from Graham, that would be a sin. Uh, I'll take his boat. <laughs> no, I don't want your boat. <laughs> I'll take your house. <laughs> so uh, um, if I stole something, that's a sin. Or if, or, and, and I do acts of sin because I have a, the sin nature within me, all right? And that's like sin within. But there's also this sense of sin on the outside. Sin lies at its door, and its desire is for you. Or Jesus saying sin controls you. You're a slave to this sin. And so this spirit of sin, if you will. And understanding that the resurrection of Christ and Jesus' blood frees us from both the inward sin that is uh, inherent within us, but also frees us from the outward forces of sin in the world and in nature. And if, uh, if you will, and I do believe there are demonic forces that are at work to influence us to sin, that we gain uh, mastery over, uh, dominion over all of that through the resurrection of Christ. Right, through believing in the resurrection of Christ. We are no longer slaves to sin because Jesus has changed our identity when we're joined with him through death. You, know, you die, you come back to life, you have a new identity, you're a new person. And Jesus said that a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And how does he make you free? He made you free by dying in your place and in breaking through the bars of death and rising from the dead and saying, follow me into the resurrection. All right, this is, uh, this is actually the main verse I wanted to get to. For when we died uh, with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. This was finished on the cross. Uh, and that freedom, I already pointed this out, was meant to transform us. Now take a minute to think, what does that mean? You are free from the power of sin. First of all, let's, I really want you to think for a second. Right? What, has, what in the world has been affected by sin? Anybody have an answer? Health. Health? Health. Mm -hmm. Everything. Everything. Yeah. Is there anything in the world that hasn't been affected by sin? I don't think so. I think sin at its root shifted not only the course of humanity, but it actually says the, the earth was cursed. 
a curse was on the earth, by the way. And so <coughs> uh, uh, the ground didn't produce like it did before. And so everything from ecological problems to moral problems to relational problems, all of it twisted by sin. Wars, death, famine, it's all sin. The sin you struggle with. The sin of thinking pure thoughts versus thinking impure thoughts. Abusing, being abused, all of that. And this is saying, because Jesus died and rose from the dead and we're joined with him, all of that, we're free from the power of that. That, my friends, is absolutely world-changing. And that's why the gospel has changed the world. All right? Because it gets, it reaches right to the issue. And the issue is death and sin. And Jesus took it on personally and made it, made it free. So it sets us free. Sin in us is defeated because it's dead and buried. It died when Jesus died. And it stayed in the grave. <clears throat> if, it, if it pops up, I can say, listen, you're dead. Uh, we no longer, you, if you believe in Christ, if you've accepted him as Lord and Savior, you no longer have to sin. Sin does not have dominion over you. I'm not saying you won't sin. Some people misinterpret it and say a Christian never sins. I'm like, you don't know the Christians I know. <laughs> but you don't have to sin. You do not, there's nothing that you have to do. Apart from Christ, you don't have the power to overcome sin. But now you've been given the power to stand up regardless of the temptation. And I believe it extends out not only uh, to a personal sin, but sickness and death, whether it's literal or figurative, <coughs> death in all of its form, sickness, uh, all sickness is a result of death. Uh, I'm sorry, all sickness is a result of sin, but not all sickness is a direct result of a particular sin. In other words, the fact that we have uh, bodies that decay um, is because of we live in a fallen world and uh, in a unregenerate bodies. Uh, and so even that um, is, is undone through the power of the cross. And we believe it, we pray for it, we'll see the fulfillment of freedom from all sickness in the physical resurrection. Um, but more than that, <clears throat> we can now walk in newness of life and we can undo, listen, this is the call, to begin to undo the consequences of generational sins, of cultural sins, of past sins, and become an active force, all right? An active force. When you deal with sin in you and you begin to walk in freedom and in the life of the resurrection in your life, then you can become an unstoppable force in your community. You know, it starts from, from close and works outward in your family, in your neighborhood, in your community, in the world. You begin to change other people's lives because your life was changed. This is how the resurrection of Christ changes you and equips you to change others and change the world. And this is why the church uh, throughout the ages has transformed human history. Almost done. Uh, verses 8 and 9. <clears throat> Since we died with Christ, we know that we will live with Him. We're sure of this because Christ raised 
was raised from the dead, and he will never die again. So I, I love this because this brings in the future tense uh, aspect of the resurrection. Death no longer has power over him. And, and because we are joined uh, to his death and to his life, we now are joined to that eternal life. And so that means that we have the promise of sharing his life eternally. He'll never die. We look forward to the fulfillment. When Jesus comes again, he's going to call our name, like the song that we sang uh, was uh, referring to Lazarus, who was dead in the grave, and Jesus walked up, and with one word, uh, Lazarus, oh, three words, Lazarus, come forth. Uh, Lazarus, uh, still heart and dead body, his heart began to beat, his body came to life, and he walked out of the tomb simply because his Savior called his name. And there's going to be a day... <clears throat> when Jesus comes and calls your name uh, and calls you back to life. So we can look at death differently because we see uh, and we are in relationship and we're actually in Christ who conquered death and conquered the grave. Jesus said it very clearly when he was talking to the sister of Lazarus. Uh, while he was still dead in the grave, she was uh, upset with Jesus. Can you imagine that? Jesus, if you'd come earlier, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And it sounds confusing, but it just nails the truth. Because the fact is, we will experience a temporary death if we're in Christ. You know, unless we're alive when Jesus comes back. And I don't know how that's going to work out. <laughs> the dead in Christ will rise first. And those who are living will meet them in the resurrection. And we'll experience the same transformation. <clears throat> um, and the promise is that through Christ's resurrection, we can have hope and we can believe that even though we may physically die, this is a temporary thing because our spirits have been joined with Christ in His death and joined with Christ in His resurrection. So it's like, I've already gone through this. The reality has happened. And what's, what's about to happen is just the, the working out the lining up so we can get in our new bodies that will never decay and never break and never fail and never, uh, no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. The promise of Easter resurrection is power over sin and death. And it's available now to transform us, but it's also available in the resurrection when Jesus comes and calls your name. But like Jesus said, uh, 2,000 years ago, he says, listen, this is the truth. I am the resurrection. Do you believe? Do you believe? That's the hinge point. That's how you connect with all of these amazing truths. You know, that's how, how Jesus' story becomes more than just a lesson that you learned at church or a myth or a neat idea, but it becomes the way it actually integrates with your life so it changes your life. It changes the course of your life. changes how you live your life. And how does that connect? It's through, the, it's through the act of believing. 
you actually believe it. Doesn't mean you understand it. I don't understand it. I've been preaching it for 30 years. The more I preach it, the less I understand. I don't know how it works, but I know it works because I've seen so many lives change simply because they say, I believe this. I'm banking on it. Jesus, I can't do it without you. I need you. I believe you died in my place. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I believe that believing that means I can, I can live free from sin and I cannot fear death. So if you're in here and you've never made that confession of faith, or you've made it and maybe you didn't mean it, or maybe you haven't been living it, you can believe now, right? And the power of the resurrection can start now. Now you can be free from sin. So let's close with prayer. Um, Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We pray that the power, the full power of your death, when you took the sin and the failure of all mankind, my sins and my failures, the sins and the failures of every person here and everyone who's ever lived and ever will live, you took the penalty of it on you. You took death. You took death's grip. And you won. You were victorious. Death had no, nothing to hold on to you because you lived free from sin. And you rose from the grave to prove it. Father, I pray that every person here, they, if they only hear one thing, they would hear you calling their name, calling them to come and follow you out of the grave, out of the darkness, into the light of life. Let us each and every one be transformed by that truth. In the name of Jesus Christ. Everyone said?